Covington and his wife, Mary Lou. Wave your hand, Mary Lou. If you hear amens and hallelujahs from the corner, it's probably Mary Lou over there. And uh, they have been on the field for 45 Seven. years, 47 years. I can't keep track of this anymore. 47 years they've been on the mission field in the last uh, decades, really, in Honduras. Dan has done so much different stuff. He has chapters in his mission's life, uh, broadcasting, printing, outreach. This chapter of their life is really important in a way that most churches don't realize. Dan, did I, did I, did I bore you? Did you decide that? You offended me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So I'll let him tell you about what's happening in this. That'll be part of his message, no doubt, a little bit of sharing. Also wanted to mention that on June 7th, just a couple weeks from now, we will have an all-church or all-house church potluck. Anybody's welcome for that. And we'll have the opportunity to uh, hear again from Dan and Mary Lou and have a meal with them. I think they're going to come to the church picnic today. Maybe. Okay, they'll do their best. They're not (laughs) promising anything. So give them money after the church and say, if you, 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 I'm going to take this back if you can't. So let's pray, for, let's pray for Dan as we prepare. Heavenly Father, thank you for Dan. Thank you for Mary Lou. Thank you for their years of faithful service, Lord. Thank you for the amazing way you've used this couple uh, to spread the gospel in Honduras and now even around the world. They're instrumental in sending missionaries uh, through the mi- ministries that they have and equipping missionaries and equipping churches to send missionaries. We're grateful for all that, Father. And we ask now as he brings your word to us, you give him great clarity. And Father, you give us ears to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord. There you go. Don't need that. <laughs> I've been this down here. It's, it's always good to be back with TCF, and, it's, and I uh, always want to start with saying thank you, uh, because even though uh, you could presume that people are thankful, it's always good to say so. <laughs> and TCF is a church that supports missions, that has uh, been built around being a mission-oriented church, and it's important uh, for, you know, it's it's... Uh, yeah, there's monthly support, but we also there's it's personal relationships and prayer support and people that know us and that that, that care about us and that want to know what we're doing and are interested. That is as big a part of support as anything, and we appreciate that TCF does that so well. So it's 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 important. It's not just a business transaction. You know, it's actually being able to be part of uh, us and us be part of you, and that's important. Is we're we're all working in this together. And uh, so speaking of together, you know, uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, today about what makes us a people. And it's kind of interesting because we do prayer times for different unreached people groups throughout the year, usually four weeks, roughly four or five weeks per people group. Uh, and we, we're making those videos that are designed for other churches to be able to use as we're working on pr- improving our format and everything. And... Uh, it's interesting how many people groups around the world, their name for themselves literally translate to people or real people or true people or something along those lines. Uh, one in Mozambique, it's beach people because they live along the coast, you know. And, uh, uh, or in, in Honduras, the Pech, 
is one of our ethnic groups. And Pech means people. And so what do they call everybody else? Pechakwa, the other people. <laughs> you know? So we're the people and those are the other people. You know? And so they've defined that they are the people and then there's other people. Right? Uh, some, some ethnic groups don't even define others as people because we're the people. You know, we're the people that came out of the mountain when a lightning struck a tree, according to their own uh, narrative, you know, of how they're, their origin. So they, other people can't be the same people we are because they didn't come from there. So it's, it's, but that's what makes us a people. So everybody has, you know, we're, as, as, a, as a group uh, of Christians, what makes us a people? Well, I, I don't live in the United States. We haven't lived like 47 years. We come back and visit. We see the news. But... Um, I don't want to get myself in trouble here, but sometimes it seems like today in the United States, being a people of God is equated with a certain political stance, and it's not politics. Sorry, that's not what makes us a people. You know, it's just not. Uh, and and uh, we we might say, well, all of us who have believed in Jesus. Well, that's true, but is it? I think there's a more complete way to say it. Well, it's the body of Christ around the world. That's also true. There are probably several more things we could mention that are true. They're all true. But maybe there's a way of looking to me at, at us as people, as God's people, that includes all of those thoughts. And to me, I, that word is found in the word covenant. We are a covenant people. And there's... Now, I'm not a covenant theologian. If any of you know about Reformed theology, there's a theology that tries to make covenants even from before the world was made, that the, that the Trinity had a made a covenant between themselves and so on. And bring him I'm not one of those. Okay, I'm not saying that. But we can't deny that covenants are an important part of how God is related to people throughout history and how, his peop how he has revealed his redemption plan. So we're thinking to think about a covenant makes us a people because we, all had, or we are all in a covenant with, with God. We have a relationship, a pact. You know, and it's not a contract, it's, it's, it's more like a marriage uh, where each person has responsibilities, each person has made declarations. And uh, so listen, let me define it this way. Talking too fast, pardon me. A covenant, I'm going to do this here, help, my, help me not end too long. A covenant is a relationship between two partners who make binding promises to each other and work together to reach a common goal. So... Uh, key words here like relationship, partners, you know, working together. It's, it's, these, these are key. This, this is what, one of the things that makes it different than a contract, for example. Uh, and it's, 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 it's a relationship. It's a living relationship. And covenants in the Bible are often accompanied by oaths and signs and ceremonies, you know. And uh, they define obligations they, they, and commitments. And they're different, like I said, from a contract because they are relational and personal. I can sign a contract with a guy to remodel my house and I don't have to do, have any relation with that person. It's all financial. It's all business. Now, throughout the Bible, there's covenants everywhere. I don't think there's much agreement on how many covenants there are in the Bible. It doesn't matter. Uh, but like, for example, Jacob and Laban. When Jacob left and Laban caught up with him at Mizpah and... and uh, and they made a covenant there. And they put a big pile of rocks, you know, basically, there and to, as, a, as, as a reminder that 
you know, okay, Jacob says, I'll never go past these stones to harm you. And Laban says, I'll not go past them to harm you because they reach on the other side of that border. And so they made a covenant there. And, they had a, and so after they did this big pile of rocks there and made the promises, they sat down and ate. So it was, you know, just like today, you have to sit down and eat. So they, they but there are signs, there are things that they did to ratify the covenant. Uh, Jonathan, the son of Saul, he, made a, he and David made a covenant. And Jonathan's deal was he would protect David from his father. You know, I'm going to make sure you make it here. And uh, there's covenants between kings like Solomon and Hiram. When Solomon was getting ready to build the temple in Jerusalem, he needed wood, and the wood was in Lebanon. And so the cedars of Lebanon and Hiram was the king of Tyre, and so they made a covenant there about how, about how they would do the, how they, he could get the wood and what he would need to give Hiram in exchange, uh, which was feed his household. But if you look at how much food it was, he had a big household. <laughs> It meant, I think it meant all of his people that depended on him, his court and everything, because uh, it was like thousands of gallons of oil and bushels of wheat every year. Now, those are covenants between people. They're, it was a way of life in that, and more than today in the Middle East. A divine covenant, a little bit different uh, than those made between human parties in Scripture. It's, first of all, it's God initiated. God initiates the covenant. We, no person says, I'm going to make my covenant with God. God says, I'm going to make a covenant with Abraham. And there's, uh, it's, it's a binding covenant. Each person has uh, obligations and blessings. And it's a living relationship. It's between two living people. And it's, it's a little, in that sense, it's a little bit different from a testament. We're, we're, we're relating to someone living, and, and they're relating to us. So in, in a covenant, God selects a person or a group of people to form a new partnership with. We call it partners in some, in some cases. So God makes promises and in return asks his partners to fulfill certain commitments. So this, you know, there's some key covenants in the Bible that lead up into redemption. We'll take a quick look before we get to... You've got to know where this is going to end, right? We're going to be talking about how covenant points us toward mission. At any rate, so a little, little quick... In, this is a little... This is, you know, wait till the end. Uh, so the covenant with Noah is, is interesting. It's called the universal covenant because it was for all mankind. Or Really, if you read the scripture, it was for all creation that God promises he won't destroy the earth again. And in some ways, he's saying what the promise of a redeemer from Genesis 3, it, would, it has to, he can't destroy the earth and that also come to pass. So he's leaving it open for, the, for, for what he has already promised. He promises to preserve the earth even though he knows that humans will continue to disobey. And you can read about it in Genesis 9. Well, I've got to get scripture on that one. And then there's the covenant with Abraham. Oh, now, the covenant with Noah also has unique in one respect. God did all, everything. He promised everything and asked nothing of Noah. He didn't say, you need to follow me. He'd, he'd ask nothing of Noah. He, he just did it. It was what he did. In Abraham, God chose Abraham, Abram at that point, to bless him and announce that in his seed all nations would be blessed. And we see this first in Genesis 12, and it's repeated several times in Genesis. It's repeated to Abraham, and then it's repeated to Isaac, and it's repeated to Jacob. And uh, it's always, to me, I'm thinking, why is it always Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Then I realized... These three people directly received 
the promise of, 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 of the covenant with Abraham, you know, they're the, they're the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, over and over again in the scripture. And this covenant is kind of special because uh, as we look in Genesis 22, 16 through 18, if you have Bibles or telephones or anything, uh, if you want to look at it, not only does God give a promise, he adds an oath, which he will surely fulfill. And uh, he, I swear by myself, basically. In Hebrews, it mentions he could swear by no one higher. He swore by himself. You know, we usually when we take an oath, we're swearing by something that's greater than us. And, and since there's no one greater than him, he swore by himself. And uh, in Hebrews 6, that's, uh, if anybody's looking, that's Genesis 22, 16 through 18. In Hebrews 6, uh, 6, 7, 8, 9, there's a lot of talk about the new covenant and comparing. But he's talking about the covenant with Abraham in, Gen in Hebrews 6, 17 and 18. And he says, in the same way God, I'm using the New American Standard 2020 version, it looks like, in the same way God, desiring even more to demonstrate to the heirs of the promise the fact that his purpose is unchangeable, confirmed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we, who have taken refuge, would have strong encouragement to hold firmly to the hope set before us. Now, <clears throat> it says impossible for God to lie. I think that was already impossible for God to lie. But what he's saying here is that God gave two things, his promise and his oath. And those are two unchangeable things. There's no way this cannot come to pass. God wanted to make doubly sure that everyone knows that this is what he's going to do. It's not going to be, be cast by the wayside. I think we can trust completely in any promise of God, but he chose to add an oath, making it even more sure that promise. So the covenant of, with Abraham is really important because that's where we're seeing then where is this redeemer coming from. He's going to be a seed of Abraham. He's going to bless all nations. Okay. There's the covenant then with Moses. Now this is actually with the whole nation of Israel. And Moses was the mediator, uh, mediator of the covenant. All the descendants of Abraham were part of this covenant uh, between God and, 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 and the people. So in, in Exodus 19, 5, and 6, it says, Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Okay, Israel, pardon me. Hmm? <coughs> yeah, I had the halls there to helped the tickle on my throat, you know, but it's, it's uh, giving up. I have some in there if you, or what have you got? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the, the hall stuff, it's candy with instructions. So it always has directions on the back of the package, you know, what, what candy has instructions? I don't know, pardon me, in Honduras, thumbs up means thank you, but <laughs> you get right across the road and the car slows down for you, you give them a thumbs up as you walk across, I mean, it's just, thank you. Um, Israel was called to live in obedience to God as a holy people. They were called to show all the nations of the earth the goodness and wonders of their God. They were meant to be, uh, 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 to proclaim 
God to all nations. They didn't do it very well. <laughs> they, kept, they kept going the wrong direction. They kept wanting things that, the, that all the other nations had. There's all kinds of things, all kinds of sin, adultery and everything. Don't need to go into that. But during the time of Israel, there was a king, a king David. God made another covenant with King David, particularly with him. And he promises that his royal lineage will last forever and that one of his descendants or his seed will be king forever. Psalms 89, 3 and 4, uh, So I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to my servant David. I will establish, establish your descendants forever and build up your throne to all generations. You're going to find 400 years later, roughly, Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, is, re, re, declares again in chapter 33. I thought this was fun. He says, if you can break my covenant for the day and my covenant for the night so that the day and night do not occur at their proper time, then my covenant with David, my servant, may also be broken so that he will not have a son to reign on his throne. And they thought, you know, okay. So you tell them the people, if you, can, if you can stop the day and night from happening, you can also stop my covenant with, with David. Not likely, right? And so he's, he's, he's saying this is, this is a pretty firm commitment on, the, on God's part here. David will always have a son to reign on his throne. Of course, we know who that is in, in our context today. And uh, so this covenant with David sort of narrows down more precisely defines the lineage of the seed of Abraham that will bless all nations. He will be a royal descendant of Abraham through David. And this, this to me, helps me better understand the significance of the very first verse of the New Testament. You know, where Matthew starts with the genealogies, verse 1, Matthew 1, 1, before he starts with all, this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And those, that's significant because that are the two covenant points where God promises that this person will, will bless all nations and will reign forever. Well, as we know, the people of Israel spent generations living in disobedience, dishonoring the name of God before the nations, bringing shame basically to the name of God. But in the midst of their rebellion, in their exile, the prophets began to announce something new and the coming of a new covenant. Jeremiah, again, 31, 31, that's chapter and verse, but <laughs> 31, 31, uh, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And he goes on to mention that God's law will be written in their hearts and that sins will be completely forgiven. See, unlike, remember, under the law, they had to go every year and make sacrifices, constantly make sacrifices for their sins. But this would be, this covenant would be different. The sins would be remembered no more. Isaiah, in one of the messianic prophecies, prophesies about the mediator of this new covenant, what this person would be like. Isaiah 42, 6 and 7. Isaiah is full of missionary stuff. Okay, the whole Bible, you know. You can preach missions from anywhere. Um, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I'm talking about the mediator of this new covenant. I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you, and I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light 
to the nations, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon and those who dwell in darkness from the prison. Appointed him as a covenant to the people and a light to the nations. Well, this new covenant is the covenant that makes us a people. This is, the, this is what makes us a people, the people of God. We're a covenant people, bound to him by his promises and, 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 and his goodness and bound to him to, with our commitment to live for him and obey him and proclaim who he is throughout the world. So this new covenant, we've seen four key covenants. There's, like I said, not a, not a lot of, there's not a lot of agreement on how many covenants there might be in the Old Testament, but four key redemptive covenants uh, that we can see. This new covenant is going to be eternal. God's going to write his law on the hearts of his people. He's going to bring full forgiveness of sins. He's going to raise up a faithful king from the line of David who will restore all that has been broken. And we just participated in the Lord's Supper here, which I always enjoy every time we're here. And, and uh, one, of the, you know, one of the reasons I enjoy it, you don't make a big deal out of it. Some churches have to have, you know, like a special service to have the Lord's Supper, but I, I like that it's just part of Christian life. It's great. Anyways, Jesus announced the beginning of the New Covenant, the Last Supper, with his disciples. You know, he said, took the cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the, given, for the forgiveness of sins. And in, and, and in the Lord's Supper, it's a mission statement to me, because we, we look back, but we're proclaiming his death, what? Until he comes. So we're also looking forward, and we're proclaiming. So when the Lord's Supper is a witness that we're saying, we serve a living Lord who is going to return, and you can also participate in the salvation and redemption and be in reconciliation with God if you'll just come and believe in him. And so it's, it's, it's a proclamation. It's a, it's, it's a mission statement to me. Well, the writer to the Hebrews that we already mentioned elaborates on this new covenant in chapter 6, 7, 8, and 9. A lot of stuff there. Don't worry. We're not going to read it all. So, <laughs> yeah. It gets scary, right? Years and years ago, a friend in Honduras got up to speak Sunday morning, and he gave a little introduction. He says, so I have 14 points. And you could just hear the whole congregation go, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> and we knew we weren't going to get out on time. And we didn't. He didn't finish, and we still got out late. So, yeah. I said, you know, that's too much to do in one morning. Uh, but Hebrews 8, 6 declares that Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant, which has been established on better prophecies, pro promises, pardon me, and in chapter 9, 15, he says that Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who have been called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. You know, now we, we, often when we... Um, how can I say this? We're often too focused on, on what happens after this life and their internal... But we have an inheritance here. And that inheritance is that we are called to bless the nations. We're part of that. We'll get to that in just a little bit more in just a moment. But, you know, I remember, what's the song? When we all get to heaven, you know, a day, and it will be a day of rejoicing. But there's, there's a lot, there's, we live here, and we're called to obedience here and to proclaim him and glor to glorify his name among all peoples in all the earth 
that he be made famous, that he be made known, that people find the, the, the greatness of his grace and mercy, his glory be revealed to peoples all over the world. Now right now, there's 2.7 billion to 3 billion people who have never, have no access to the gospel. No churches, no scriptures, no nothing. Okay, that's got a job. But then on the other hand, the good news is places like uh, just a couple weeks ago when we were remaking recordings for the Taiman Shan of, of uh, Myanmar and about 5 million and have been unreached even though missionaries, Baptist missionaries arrived in 1860. They were not very receptive and the Baptist missionaries went to the Lisu and the Kachin and, and the Karen people that were more open to the gospel. But just in this last few months, the Lisu, uh, which is another ethnic group, which is about 50% evangelical, the Lisu have had success in, 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 in reaching some Taiman Shan and whole families have come to the Lord. Well, part of this may have to do, I mean, not, it, it's the work of the Holy Spirit, but I mean, when, there are, when there's turmoil, the Holy Spirit can use that. And if you remember... There was finally, after decades of dictatorships and military government, there was an elected civilian government, and then they had a coup just three years ago. And so then I saw on, I can't remember the ministry, East Asia, something or other, they do, I, can't, I just saw it on the internet, and I read, looked on their website, because they were talking about uh, an increasing demand for Bibles in different uh, Myanmar or Burmese languages. And that the, that the Myan people, the, the the majority ethnic group in Burma, over 30 million, they suddenly, they're having this huge influx of people wanting Bibles because there's people turning, looking for something else because they're disillusioned. They're finding Christ. So this is the first time ever that, that, that Myanmar has ever, has ever had a move like this. So there's good news. I mean, you can't just say, oh, wow, you know, three billion. No. God is doing things, man. There's things happening, you know, like Spain, okay? 1% or less uh, are believers there, you know. It's, these, it's pretty much true all across Europe except for Romania, which is around 5%, probably the most evangelical nation in Europe right now. But those, this, like, what an opportunity. We, we could just get the churches that are in Spain to mobilize and reach out you know, you got two million Muslims and more coming in. There's that's probably more Muslims that were there than were there during the 700 years that the that the Moors were there. <laughs> there probably were not two million, but they're from all over. You know, and and, and there's it's an opportunity. And I know that Sarah has worked it with that because they see this is an opportunity. And all these people have relatives back home, and and in this context, like Spain, they can they can. Uh, follow after or, or participate in Christian teaching and find out, you know, some of them are coming to the Lord with, with a lot less peer pressure than in their home countries. So they have an opportunity. It's a great opportunity. These things are good news. Yes, there's a lot of Muslims and there's more pouring in, but it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. Like Jesus said, the fields are white. We need more laborers. Let's not look at it, you know. So it's great to pray for that because, because it's an opportunity for, for missionaries, but it's also an opportunity for the Spanish churches. And uh, I told our Latin American churches in Spain, you guys got to get out of being a culture club. All Hondurans and the Honduran pastor and all Ecuadorians with the Ecuadorian pastor and all Peruvians with the Peruvian pastor, you know, I say all, 95% probably, 
almost no Spaniards in these churches because they have to change cultures. <laughs> they have to become a Honduran and eat Honduran food to go to the Honduran church. And uh, so I said, you guys got to get out of this, and you got to open up and, and reach these people around you. You know, you got, and uh, so it's, it's, it's not easy, but it needs to be done. Well, I got off on a sidetrack there. Uh, <laughs> so we're talking about our inheritance, and we're talking about us as, as being on uh, part of blessing the nations. And in 2 Corinthians 1, 20 and 22, uh, 20 through 22, uh, Paul is talking, now, um, we have to, well, I'll say this later, but he says, for as many as the promises of God are in him, they are yes, and therefore through him is also our amen to the glory of God through us. Through us, right? Now, he who establishes us with you in Christ and has and anointed us is God, who also sealed us and gave us the spirit in our hearts as a pledge, a pledge of our inheritance, the promises of God. All the covenants and all the promises find their fulfillment in Jesus. So in Christ, we are God's covenant people and heirs to the promises. Now, in Galatians 3, great chapter, right? On, and you get down to the end, and it says that in Christ, if we are in Christ, we are the seed. Some will say descendants or heirs or whatever. See, the descendants of Abraham and heirs according to the promise. The promise is Jesus, the, the, the seed of Abraham, would bless all nations. And then in Christ, we are heirs to that. We are the ones that are called to bless all nations. It's us. It's not Jesus is, Jesus is working through us because we are heirs of the promise. We are in him. So that promise is that we will bring, we will be a blessing to the nations. You know, it doesn't mean, I'm not saying you can't do this, but it doesn't mean building schools and hospitals. It means taking the word of reconciliation with God through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Now, the authors of the New Testament then present Jesus as the descendant of Abraham. Remember these covenants. This is the descendant of Abraham who trusted in his father, died, rose again, and became a blessing to all nations. He's the prophet greater than Moses who brings us out of slavery. He is the obedient Israelite who perfectly follows God's laws. He's the royal son of David who established the kingdom of God in his life, death, and resurrection, who now sits at the right hand of God, reigning forever as the only true king. That's our Jesus. So we're God's covenant people, and God's covenant people have a job to do. We're, we need to be on mission. Now, we can't... Um, can I say this? We have to realize that mission is not just going to a foreign land. There is we being on mission is being ready to, to uh, how can I say it? Share or at, into anywhere we have an opportunity. You're on mission, so you're always ready. You have an opportunity to share with someone at at the in line at the supermarket. You can do so, or at the airport, you can do so. We've always. Uh, been invited, or rather called, to be on mission with God. The covenant people have always been on that. Remember Exodus 19 that we read a little earlier? If you will indeed uh, obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. What I'm saying is, all the earth already belongs to God, but you guys are going to be special, right? And you will be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. 
from Abraham to our day today, God calls us all to be his fellow workers to proclaim his glory in all the nations. And we need to understand that proclaiming his glory is not saying glory to God. That's saying, talking about the greatness of God, the goodness of God, his power to save, his power to heal. That's to me, is proclaiming his glory. We're talking about his fame, his name, who he is, and proclaiming that to all nations. Now, Peter, we go to, in 1 Peter 2.9, where he, he says, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. And a little bit similar to Exodus, right? <laughs> Saying the same thing, because we're God's covenant people. But then he puts it, why? He says, so that you may be, pro, pardon me, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, like I said, these two passages look a lot alike to me. We're, we've been called to proclaim his wonderful works. We have not been called to just bask in his marvelous light. You know, you're not like, wow, you know, that's okay. It's okay to bask in the presence of the Lord, but it's also, we have to remember that we're called to proclaim his wonders, to proclaim who he is. Now, before... We were not God's people. We hadn't entered into any covenant with him. We didn't have any relationship with him. But now in Christ Jesus, we are partakers of the covenants and heirs of the promise, and we must live as a covenant people. Peter continues on in verse 10, 1 Peter 2.10, For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I like one of our Spanish versions, if I translate it back into English, but they, they use a word that, Siquiera, uh, that uh, it basically translates as before you were not even a people. I mean, you weren't even a people before, and, uh, but now you are a people. And Paul in Ephesians 2, 12 and 13, read Ephesians 2. There we go, my timer. <laughs> read Ephesians 2 when, when, uh, to, to get a, from a mission standpoint. He's talking about the local church on mission. And there's a lot of really great commission language in, in Ephesians 2. Uh, but in Ephesians 2.12, so remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the people of Israel, strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Pretty sad situation. But now in Christ Jesus, you, have, you who had previously were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And says, look at this description for a second. I mean, how would you like to be called this? Separated excluded, strangers, without hope, without God. Not good, right? Not good, okay? There are millions, billions of people that are still in this situation. But now, that's what he says up here, you know, but now in Christ Jesus. Hang on. Don't you love when God says, but now? <laughs> But it's usually good for us when he says, but now. Uh, but now in Christ Jesus, God has brought us near through the blood of Christ. We're no longer strangers. We're no longer separated. We're joined. We're not excluded. We're included. We're not strangers. We're citizens of God's family, of his kingdom. We're members of his family. We have hope. We have God. It's all completely the opposite. 
and we need to remember that it's the shed blood of Jesus that initiates this new covenant. This is what has brought his, God has brought us near through the blood of Christ. In Romans 9, uh, Paul is, you know, I think he's talking to, in the Romans, he begins to talk more to the Hebrews, but that the Jews that are in Rome, but he's, he's talking, uh, Romans 9, 24 through 26, but I'm going to start in 25, and he also says in, in Hosea, the prophet Hosea says, I will call those who were not my people, my people. And her who was not beloved, beloved. And it shall be that in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, there they shall be called sons of the living God. He's talking, Hosea's talking about, you know, salvation is just, not just for Israel. People that Israel said, Oh, they're not God's people. God is saying, they're sons, they're, They are my people. He's going to redeem a people from all peoples everywhere in every nation on the earth. That's his purpose. And we need to be involved in it. I know you are. Sometimes I feel like I'm saying, oh, I'm saying this stuff you already know. But sometimes I hope to encourage you that, we're, that we are doing things, that we are walking in God's purposes. And uh, so, you know, before, we weren't God's people. We were not God's people. But now in Christ Jesus, we are partakers of the covenants. We're heirs of the promise. And so we need to live as a covenant people. We have, God has made promises. We made commitments. We have things to do. And uh, it's not salvation by works, but God has called us to work. And, and, uh, and we are, because, we're, because he has saved us, he's called us to work, to be his representatives. It's, it's interesting, I find one of the things is when, when the, the in, uh, in Apocalipsis, just a minute, Revelations, I, sorry, <laughs> I, 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 I talk more in Spanish than English and I had to get the name of the book out. Um, in Revelations, when they talk about the song of the redeemed, the angels don't sing because they can't. They weren't lost in the redeemed. And so I can only imagine, you know, people say, what language do you speak in heaven? Oh, Hebrew. Now, hey, well, you know, it's going to be Spanish, people say in Latin America. And, and, uh, but actually, I think everyone will speak every language because God will be praised with every language of all the nations he created. Every language has different nuances and things, and sometimes when Mary Lou and I are talking, we'll, be, we'll slip a word in from another language because it just expresses better what we're talking about. And, you know, only I think that we'll be able to understand everybody. And, 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 and uh, there's a great multitude that no one can count, you know, it says. And so what's bigger than a multitude? It's a great multitude, apparently. And... <laughs> And so, uh, and, and, and we're all going to sing a song that is a new song in heaven, the song of the redeemed. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be fabulous. And, and it's going to be great to be, you don't want to miss that meeting. <laughs> you didn't be late to one of these, but you don't be late to that one. So, <laughs> you know, the, 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 uh, the, uh, if you miss it, I'm sorry, you missed it. <laughs> That's kind of a, that deal. But no, there's, there's, uh, there's, there's, God has purpose that he's going to do this. He will do this, and he's invited us to walk with him. He really does the heavy lifting, but he's invited us to walk with him and proclaim his glory to say, you know, this is what God has done. This is what God does. This is who he is. You know, come to God. He, you can be reconciled with God. 
and we do this. There's a lot of different ways. You know, I'm not going to talk about strategy, but we all know that there's different ways to reach different cu culture groups, and a lot of the hardest people to reach are the ones that are left because they're hard to reach, right? So there's creative, creative strategies and all kinds of things. Strategy is a whole other thing, but the job remains the same. Proclaiming God in every nation and every people and every tongue and tribe in this whole earth of God's creation. Amen? Just stand up. Been sitting down long enough. And we'll, yeah, please stand up. And let's pray. You know what? I didn't even say anything about what we do. We'll have to talk afterwards. So, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to pray. Okay, everybody's up. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you that even though we didn't deserve anything, out of your goodness, out of your kindness, your love so great, you offered a promise, a covenant to join us to you and make us a people, Lord. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your kindness. Thank you, Lord, that even though we're worthless and pretty useless, you've invited us all to be on mission with you and walk with you and see you do your works and see the Holy Spirit move among people See people redeemed, see people come to you, Lord, see people changed and grown. We thank you that you've called us to all of that. God, I ask that you'd bless this congregation as it moves and walks with you, that, it, that new opportunities and, and, and new growth would happen here, Lord, that there would be new opportunities for mission, new, new ways to outreach both locally and uh, worldwide. Lord, that the upcoming VBS and, and other things that, the, that is local outreach, Lord, that you would bring greater fruit than ever before. Yes, Lord, you bring greater fruit than ever before. That you, there's so much around, right around this building where people need to know you. And Lord, it says around this building and around the world, I mean, TCF has an impact and we praise you for that. Thank you, Lord. Bless this church in Jesus' name. Amen. And I just take the opportunity to just, just felt that the Lord told me to remind you all what you're doing is marvelous and wonderful. Look around. Just look around at the folks that are around you. We're not. There are not many powerful. There's not many, you know, we're not like, oh. But you know what? You are powerful. Yes, absolutely right. Jesus takes what you give your prayers, your time, your everything, uh, your intention, your attitudes, and he translates that into so much more. The people in our church in Honduras, they know who TCF is. Yes, they do. And, they, and you are an example and a light as a body. And so I just want you to be encouraged, and uh, we will continue on to be a covenant people, and we'll continue on to, you know, not grow weary in our well-doing. <laughs> and one of, the day, one of these days up in heaven, we'll see all the, we'll see all the results. We, will, we, we aren't taking anything with us except the souls that get saved by, Thank you, Lord. by what the Lord does through us. And when we get up there, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Mary Lou, for that word of encouragement. Thank you, Dan, for your word from the scripture. 
we are a covenant people, and it's something we can rejoice in, but it's something that also gives us a deep, deep responsibility as we follow the Lord together. So I just, uh, you can remain standing because we're about done. Uh, I want to remind you of the church picnic this afternoon. Hope that many of you will be able to come. It's a great time of fellowship, and uh, not to mention there's food. So I want to encourage you to be there for that. So Heavenly Father, we're grateful for all of these things that you have blessed us with. <clears throat> we're grateful that we are indeed, because of your initiative, Father, we are part of your new covenant. And so, Father, we, are, we thank you for that. Help us to never take that for granted, Father, in our day-to-day -day lives. And as a part of your new covenant people, Father, help us to be your ambassadors to bring other people into the new covenant. In Jesus' name, amen. We're dismissed.